supplies and uh, taking them to the front lines. So uh, it's a great cause. We support it here at the Maria Report. Uh, please visit mariaaid.org. But I'm hoping we can get CJ up here. Uh, until then, uh, Timu, I saw you join us. Did you have a question for our uh, sappers? Or I think uh, it was uh, my question. It was already asked by someone else now. So I don't have now at the moment any question. Yeah, I've got Joseph, a question there... generally, really, uh, Joseph, which is, you know, do we know uh, to what extent there might be, you know, a flanking movement coming around from the east uh, on the, what would it be, the south bank of the Dnipro? Is there, are there any, is there any talk of that lately? So, like, east as in, like, Nova Kohovka area? When you say east, you mean east of Kherson, like uh, Nova Kohovka, the other bridge? Yeah, yeah, from further further northeast, because obviously if you're trying to um, contain Kherson, I guess you've got to either push out from Odessa, but I don't think you've got the, the massive forces there, or come round from the other way, haven't you, from the from the northeast. I just wondered if there's any, any sign of that happening. Yeah, so like, I guess my understanding of the broad situation is, so you have Mikolaev, and Mikolaev's like... Uh, you know, not that far from, I actually can use, so I'm using a deep state map, everyone. Um, it's a website. Apparently there is an English version. I don't know. I, I can sort of read Cyrillic. Uh, Ukrainian is a little tough for me, but uh, anyway. Uh, so anyway, it's got good um, uh, information about where uh, the front lines are. Uh, and it, I've got a little ruler here I can use. So uh, Mikolaev is about uh, 60 kilometers from Kherson, right? So they're very close together. Um, and the, the front line sort of in, in between, like 30 kilometers uh, out from both Kherson and Mikolaev. Um, and and that's sort of a, a, the contest we've been talking about pretty extensively here. In addition to that, there's uh, like a front line that's more to the north. And the Ukrainian city is called Kriviri. Um, and it's kind of further north. Uh, it's about... Let's see, from Mikolaev, it's, uh, it's about 250 kilometers uh, northeast. Uh, so it's not quite on the front line, but that's kind of what the front's called, the Krivi Refront. Um, and so they're kind of pushing south, and their goal seems to be to get to Novokohovka, but I would say they're still pretty far from the goal. The thing is, we don't quite know a lot about the Ukrainian offensive in um, the Kherson region, the sort of shaping operation, I guess you guys would call it, um, in terms of which villages have been captured by the Ukrainians. Most of the information we get about which villages are in Ukrainian hands is when the Russians shell something. Like when the Russians shell something and we go, wait a minute, wasn't that Russian? Usually that to us indicates that it's Ukrainian. Uh, but I'm not like super up to date on that stuff. Uh, but my general sense is that they're not super close to Novokohovka. They're not as close as they are to Kherson. Um, but uh, maybe we can get someone else up who has uh, more direct knowledge uh, that's that's the best I got for you guys. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, do you know a lot about Novokohovka? No, no. But but thanks anyway. Unfortunately, I've got to I've got to go to, go now, which is a shame because it would be worthwhile listening to what CJ's got to say. But uh, catch catch you again another time. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Museum. Thanks for stopping by. We always appreciate it. Feel free to uh, come up anytime, and uh, David as well. You can uh, stick stick around if you like. Uh, I don't know. CJ said he'd be here in like three minutes. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. hanging around. A museum is obviously in a very, very different time zone. I know, right? Um, but uh, yeah, we're trying to get Doman back. I don't know. His, his phone's cooling down. Uh, Joseph, so, yeah, can I add but, something, please? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Vern. I was just going to say uh, the, the, the idea that um, it's Putin 
uh, <laughs> attacking this bridge to warn the Russian troops that are there that uh, they need to stay. Um, I think that'd be a great little bit of misinformation to pump out into the uh, Russian Telegram and uh, Twitter space. What do you think? Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Uh, I think that, yeah, they're, they're, I don't know. Like, I still don't understand their um, their media's effort to spin certain things. Like, the HIMARS strikes on the ammo depots, like, they show that. I guess you can't contain certain things. Maybe that's it. But, yeah, it still perplexes me, like, what they can, what they are willing to show and what they aren't. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it would be a good piece of misinformation. Yeah. Why not? I have a rest of it to well, say it on Fagan's interview. Yeah. Go ahead, Vern. I've got no doubt that, uh, it's a two front war now for Putin. It's the war with Ukraine and it's also the war at home. Um, and you know, he'd have to be starting to have some doubts about the people. Well, perhaps not in his inner circle, but the circle beyond that and the circle beyond that. Uh, and I certainly hope. He's uh, he's kept up at night about such things. Yeah, I'm like I'm not one to really psychologize Putin. I think it's maybe uh, we, in the West people spend too much time doing it. But that being said, um, I think that COVID really like isolated him from the people around him. He he went into basically a complete isolation bunker mode, um, and even the people that were sort of once close to him uh, started to get distant. And uh, that was exacerbated when he started the full scale invasion. And I mean. We've seen we've seen the pictures of the giant. We all know about the giant table, uh, Vladimir. We have to talk about your giant table, uh, right? I mean, and uh, we've seen pictures of him, uh, you know, having meetings with world leaders that are, you know, they're they're they couldn't be further apart. There's like three of them at these uh, uh, conference tables that are huge. Uh, so you know, it, he's definitely afraid of uh, uh, the people around him. Uh, he's afraid of assassination. Uh, there's a few moments where he, uh, under very strict conditions, mainly uh, like body, he mainly they replace people with bodyguards, and then all of a sudden he'll start hugging and people and you know having uh, be, being more comfortable. But those are all staged events. Uh, he's he's very paranoid about uh, assassination, and yeah, I don't really think it matters that much in terms of like what it affects Putin's decision making. But I guess if it does hinder him in any way, I guess it's, it's good. Um, but yeah. It's it's a it's a crazy way to uh, to live and to run a country, but uh, that's Russia for you, I guess. From you know, yeah, uh, we're seated at one end of the table, and he's seated uh, over there in the in the dark ages. Yeah, so you know, it would be would be interesting if someone. It'd be nice to see someone at least try, right? Just some guy like uh, you know throw a grenade or something across that giant conference table, and maybe maybe it doesn't kill him, but freaks him out. I don't know. Restore my faith in uh, Russian. Russian society a little bit, just a little. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think they've had uh, I think they've had the past twenty years to do something about that, and um, yeah, yeah, it hasn't happened. You're not wrong, Vern. You're not wrong. I don't know where Do- Doman's. Uh, Doman, put some ice on your phone. Uh, I need some help up here. We got it. Adrian, Adrian's finally coming up to talk about my my rant on American soft power. Uh, thank goodness. Took a page from Hitler's book. Uh, I'm sure that table is very very solid and can take a grenade hit. So um, yeah, that's why maybe they're so big and massive. That's a good point. Yeah, but famously Hitler almost got bombed at a, an officers meeting. They put a bomb, I think, in a briefcase, right, Adrian? And basically the whole room. If you, they took a picture of the room, and the whole thing looks like completely. 
exploded, but somehow Hitler like survived. And I think basically the table absorbed most of the blast. Is that like the story, Adria? Yeah, basically that's it. Uh, and some officers died who are on the other side of the explosion. But uh, basically the guy who placed the bomb placed it under a table close to Hitler. And apparently one of the guys next to Hitler, he just wanted to, he didn't wanted to be more comfortable. So he moved the briefcase on the other side of the table leg and basically by accident and basically just because this table leg was there that saved uh, Hitler's life. Should I go on my idea about soft power? I really liked what you said earlier. I think it's a good point. Or you want to talk about something else? No, no, yeah, go for it. Well, I might say something a bit unpopular, but uh, I feel compelled to say it. Um, You're a millennial, right, Joseph? More or less. That's right. Oh, yeah, the best generation. Well, uh, loud and proud. (laughs) For sure. And many of us are turning 40 now. Uh, and we came of age, basically we are at this generation. I mean, the first millennials are turning 40 and basically this generation grew up, were teenagers when 9-11 happened or very, very early twenties, late teens. And then by the time they went to university, uh, finished university or whatever, I'm speaking about most regular people. Um, then the financial crisis hit. And we are in a position where many people our age, uh, in the West, I mean, uh, aren't in a position to properly afford the home. Uh, they're having children later. These are different factors that contribute to, um, and I'm going to not speak about U.S. politics as well, so please hear me out. Um, but I want to speak about this idea of losing influence or losing faith in the West and creating a fertile ground for um, uh, Russian propaganda and influence. And um, I mean, these seeds of discontent that they sown uh, were sown on fertile ground somehow. And I just want to give you an example. These independent uh, media outlets, so-called independent, that get funded by Patreon or by Substack, uh, some people say they don't matter. They're just a bubble, ha, 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 ha. But in April, I just saw an article recently, CNN, in some of its primetime TV shows, uh, talk shows, it had between 50,000 and 70,000 viewers. And that's uh, absolutely abysmal for a cable news channel. While on the other hand, someone like Russell Brand, whose most recent videos uh, called uh, Ukraine's War a Proxy War, and he does the whole Mishheimer schlick and all this, it was all provoked. Uh, and he even says something disgusting like, okay, I care about the suffering in Ukraine if you want me to say that, or if I have to say that. He's a scumbag, essentially. Uh, but his videos get a million views, and those are a million deliberate views. Is someone seeing the title, clicking and watching it all, or at least half or a little bit, while 50,000 or 70,000 views on CNN, it could be someone's in a dentist office. It can be, that's not an engaged viewer. So, It might be a bubble, it might be fringe, it doesn't reflect the overwhelming support in the House and the Senate and the votes. I know this, clearly I know. But um, there is a bubbling uh, area somehow of people who are severely discontented. Uh, Discontent is created by millennials, for millennials, who felt screwed in the last 10-15 years. And um, 
If you look at the titles, it's not only about Ukraine, it's about COVID, it's about economics, like all of them are pessimistic. It's like the great reset is coming, uh, the great, it's everything sells a doomer, uh, if everyone is familiar with the term, a doomsday view of the world. And um, yeah, I just felt like saying, I agree with you that even in culture, the soft power of the West is weaker. We had these tropes of Rocky, of Coca-Cola, of especially in Eastern Europe, when we came out of communism and we wanted to consume this culture. But um, now I think um, it's this atmosphere of doom and gloom. Western culture is less attractive because it has many problems. And uh, yeah, basically that's what I wanted to add, that it's fertile ground for the seeds of Russian discontent. And they're good at it. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. I, I, I agree. That's, uh, I think you made my point better than me. Uh, Doman, do you have any follow-up there? And maybe Ben, Doman? No, 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 not really. But thanks, Adrian. Um, I'm just mostly wondering what I missed over the past 15 minutes about the bridge, uh, because my phone crashed. It's too warm, and uh, now it's lying on a block of ice. I mean, I teased CJ, because CJ, you saw, he said, I'm coming up, and uh, he didn't. Yeah, he so, told me, he told me too. Uh, it's very disappointing. So, so yeah, I, I built up CJ a bunch, and uh, he didn't come. So that's what happened, Doman. Anyway, uh, Ben, uh, any any? I saw you come up. Uh, any, you got something to say? Uh, Besides, good morning to everyone. Hey, good morning, uh, Ben. Um, no, I, I had a few things to say about energy, but I think it can wait uh, the end of the the bridge discussion. Well, we so, have a bridge expert here, guys. Does anyone have any questions for David, who's uh, uh, was a sapper? I do have I do have one question, and I deeply apologize to to David um, because I, I'm I'm sure it's gonna it, it's gonna be the sort of thing that torture him a little bit, like his uh, Chinese in laws. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's the um, what's the probability of the of them being able to build a pontoon bridge or several pontoon bridges? Uh, around because I, I think I remember someone saying that they were very cheap to make. So why not just make thirty and then you know, one day you use one, and if the Americans blow, oh, sorry, if the Ukrainians blow one, you can you can use the other one. Uh, well, it's very interesting. I, I've just been measuring distances because I was. This is what I was looking at, right? Um, uh, so, uh, it, just one of those random things as I was I was waiting. Um, so the answer is pretty much zero. Um, uh, the uh, the bridge uh, where the Anto- uh, the Antonovsky uh, the um, yeah that's, that's it yeah uh, that's about a kilometer. Right, so pontoon bridges are things that you might use 30 meters, 60 meters, 80 meters, 100 meters. Um, but over that distance, just isn't going to happen. So I've been, I've, I've been following Google Maps all the way along, right? And this is a, this is a wide bridge. Um, so I've, I've just been trying to measure the distance. So what I'm interested in uh, uh, when I was looking at the bridge is, is exactly which bit do we know, or do we know which bit they uh, they um, they put the high miles on? Uh, because... So I know a little bit. So some of it is on the big bridge across the Dnipro. Mm-hmm. Some of it, if you look at um, on the left bank, so the southern end, you see there's the big bridge, and then there's like a little island, and then there's a little bridge that goes from there to Oleshki. 
And the the one that we saw yesterday, the picture where something went through the bridge and then made a little crater in the road under it, that was that little one um, across the, I forget, I didn't have the, the map in front of me, the little river, the little other river that has a short name, maybe five right. letters or something. Okay, yeah, give me a second, I'm trying to find it. Okay, so uh, there's another bridge that's over the Kunka River, is it? That's it. That's the one. That's the one where the, the hole was made through yesterday. Ah, uh, okay. Very clever. Very clever. Right. Um, uh, so uh, the, the re- uh, let me explain why I've, I've been measuring distances and um, looking at some photographs is uh, because obviously one of the questions was um, uh, what can you, what can you put over if you've blown a bridge? Um, if you put holes in it, how much weight you can take and, and really uh, these questions are related to um, the length of span uh, between the piers, right? And if you look at the Antonovsky Bridge, um, there are some very long spans and there's some shorter spans, right? Of course, um, if we look at the uh, the Conquer, is it, uh, someone help me out there. How do you pronounce it? Is it Conquer? Yeah, it is Conquer. Yeah. Just, oh, just, is it? okay. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't right. worry too much. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll, I'll yeah. jump in if you if it makes. If I make a real, yeah. real, real mess so over the Conquer River, uh, it, that makes a, a lot of sense um, that you would do something there because you you, sit, you can't put uh, um, any uh, um, tanks over it. Uh, let me have a look. I'm going to measure some distances now and give you an idea as to about putting pontoons over there. It'd be possible, but the thing is um, that the bit that I would go, so technically it might be possible, but um, all of these these bits here are well within Ukrainian um, artillery distance. And I'll go back again to um, uh, people doing something under, under fire, right? So um, uh, if you're fighting in an infantry role, right, you're normally attempting to find a piece of cover to fire from, et cetera, et cetera, the days of people being dressed in red coats and just walking slowly towards guns have gone, right? Uh, but, uh, but when you're doing something like putting in a pontoon, there is no cover, right? It means that um, uh, you are uh, very, very susceptible to pretty much any fire. And, and in, in an area like that, that could just be locals who've, who've, you know, who've found the stash of AK-47s or whatever it is and artillery fire so um there would be the people who would be putting in pontoons so that would be incredibly brave incredibly drunk or or something along those lines and it, and it takes a lot of time to put to get these d- things done there are motorized pontoon bridges as well that you can use and you connect them together a little bit like um uh, uh, lego um but obviously these things again they take time you you can't put them together in the space of 30 minutes, right? So uh, you would normally put these things together under the cover of darkness and, uh, and anything more than, you know, 40 or 50 meters would take several hours. But I, 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 what I'll do is I'll start, I'll do some measuring some distances. And now, which I know which bit we're talking about, I'll come back to you. So David, thank you, David. Um, I think that's fantastic. I just want to remind everyone when, the Russians were crossing in Bilohorivka, and that was maybe 70 meters of a river, maybe, as opposed to a yeah. thousand, right? And Dnipro is a wide river. If you've seen, say, the Rhine, 
uh, flowing through, well, where the Rhine is in Germany, said Cologne. If you've seen the Rhine at Cologne or, or Dusseldorf, then you know how wide rivers can get or, you know, even wider than the Thames uh, in, in the Docklands in London. It is a wide, wide, wide river. Um, so uh, it, it is not trivial in the slightest to put a pontoon over that. Certainly not when you're only about 20, 25 kilometers from Ukrainian front lines now. Literally any bit of artillery Ukrainians have, they can lay it straight onto that pontoon bridge being constructed. And that, that is that is no fun, especially when you have a kilometer of a pontoon to construct. Um, that having been said, let's go to Daryl and then to Borderlands. Daryl? Yeah, I just got a couple of questions concerning bridges. Have they blown any of the rail? Have they uh, targeted any of those yet? So there's only three bridges across the Dnipro, or three crossings, actually, let's say, across the Dnipro that Russians have. One is the dam at Novakakhovka. There were some Ukrainian strikes against that dam, but um, not the dam itself, kind of to the edge of the dam where there was a depot and so on. Uh, right, the, right. The, and then there's the two bridges, Darrow, at Kherson, a railway bridge and a road bridge. The railway bridge, to what I understand, has not been touched. It's a truss bridge that has stuff on top, right? Above the, above the bridge, there's a, there's a superstructure. Above the, the level of the bridge, there's a superstructure. That hasn't been touched, to my knowledge. I don't quite understand why, because that would actually cut off a lot of their supply line, right? Um, what has been struck was this road bridge at Herson, the Atonovsky Bridge. Okay, yeah, because uh, the through-truss bridge is going to be a lot harder to take down in itself. From to... above, right? Right. Exactly. Um, now, concerning the holes that are on the uh, road bridge, are they? How uh, has anyone looked to see how close they are? Because when you start spanning, say, track vehicles, if they want to put a track vehicle across it, a track vehicle has so much that he can span, uh, you know, safely, and you know that's one thing. But also, too. Um, you're going to make it difficult for trucks if they are in a pattern such that they can't uh, turn the wheels and guide through. So, in effect, they could take out the bridge even for road traffic, light vehicles, unless, you know, they start laying plates and stuff, like which they probably would. But the idea would be that you could slow that traffic down, and if they put enough holes in it, uh, they may even get to the point where they have to... Um, take people and you know people can't get across with significant amount of kit you know on their back because they're trying to get negotiate hope um even though the bridge may still be intact otherwise so the distance between the holes uh would be a factor to be looked at as well because that could also determine how degraded it is, even though it still stands. Exactly. And Daryl, uh, that's something CJ highlighted, right? The holes are really close together and that really tight grouping at a long distance. CJ says the tube artillery is highly unlikely to have done this because the grouping is just too tight. And um, uh, and he's almost certain that therefore it is high Mars. I imagine okay. like four holes within five meters of each other. That's like what we're talking about here. Go ahead, Daryl. Well, I wanted to add that the Kherson cat said that the Russians have now blocked the bridge uh, after the last night's uh, further attack with the HIMARS. And uh, it, in the video, he linked before that when it was still allowed to go with passenger cars 
it looked pretty bad. So now it's probably even worse. His tweets are from three hours ago. Yeah, as of like the first strike, I think it looked like a civilian car could drive over it, but I I would be hesitant to drive a tank over it from what I saw. I don't know, I'm an expert, but yeah, there's a there's um, a big difference. There's a big difference when you're driving a one metric ton, you know, Lada uh, across a bridge, or when you're driving a truck that might have you know five ten tons of in in the in the back altogether, rather that might weigh five to ten tons, or when you're driving a tank, or when you're driving you know anything substantial like that. There's a big difference in what a bridge can take. Much easier to take a little ladder than it is to take a, you know, even even a troop transport, right? Even something like a bus or a truck with a bunch of soldiers in the back. Yeah, yeah but I, I think was looking the at first the first Sorry, Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, I was looking at the holes, and there's a lot of uh, um, uh, grit, uh, grid, grid underneath the asphalt. So uh, even though there's a hole there, that they still may have a significant amount of tonnage they can put over it because of the support. Um, the support structure of the asphalt itself. Uh, but like I said, it may be still how they can negotiate something bigger. Again, if, if they have not messed with um, uh, the, the, uh, the longitudinal supports and the holes are actually in between those supports, uh, the longitudinal support underneath, then you still may be able to get enough weight uh, across it. However, it, you know, but you don't, it's not something that you want to negotiate, you don't want to try it. So it may be there, and it may be able to support it, but you don't want to try it, <laughs> in other words. Yeah, you don't want to be the first tank across. Uh, yeah, CJ said, I think, maybe two more strikes like that, and he would say, you know, we're in business. But uh, that was just kind of his general assessment. Uh, Doman? I, I agree. And, uh, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a warning saying, well, we can. We did it twice. Do you really think we can't do it a third and a fourth time? What are you going to do about it? Uh, maybe get your people out now and get your stuff, you know, the lighter stuff out now while you still can, because um, soon you won't be able to, and soon you will be stuck in that city, and we are coming. Right? And maybe that's the sort of a message that they're trying to send. Uh, and the thing to remember is that the T seventy two is what fifty tons, something like that. Um, uh, that uh, um, holes in a very short space uh, uh, would you'd be certainly be worried about putting something that heavy over it because you might end up making a much bigger hole and then your only solution at that point is to overbridge i.e. you stick um, say a tank tran- you, know, the, uh, you see the mobile um, uh, uh, bridges that they uh, put on top of tanks and that it folds out and goes over then they'd be in the position of having to put one of those over it because that takes time um, uh, and all the other bits. So most of these things are about risk and time and how, uh, and how quickly can you do something. Uh, and this is assuming they have set that vehicle nearby. They, they yeah, may they, very well not have it. Yeah, yeah I know. They've, had, um, they've taken out a few of those ABLBs, uh, the, the um, tracks, the track bridge uh, launch systems, they've taken out quite a few of those in other operations. So how many they may have still may be a question. Uh, yeah, I would uh, I would say that. And uh, because and 
because the bridges, uh, the, the rivers are so big here, they may not even have them nearby, right? Because you go, there aren't any rivers that are that are within that that, that scope. Sorry, any rivers are in that scope. Seventy-five meters is the Conquer River. Um, uh, there aren't any uh, bridges that you can place like that. Uh, let's go to Borderland, and uh, then I have some more questions for you, David. Borderland, bravo. Go ahead. A mic check. Loud and clear. Okay. Um, I was wondering what the uh, panel's opinion was on the uh, bridge over the um, Changar Pass in uh, northeastern Crimea. Um, that early in the war, there was a very strategic bridge that um, many people said should have been blown. What's your opinion of it as the war goes for it, is it best just for the Ukrainians to capture it, or do you think it should be destroyed? Anyway, your opinions would be interesting. Thank you. So, it's a it's a it's a tough question, right? Um, but destroying it right now doesn't really help Ukraine that much. Also, it's a little bit out of current high march range, if I remember correctly. It's about a hundred and fifteen kilometers, maybe, from the current Ukrainian positions, if I recall quite right. Um, so just because of that, I I don't think that Ukraine will be taking it out anytime that soon. Um, would it have been a good idea to have taken it out at the start of the Russian invasion? Yes, of course it would have been. Um, the same goes for, for Antonovsky Bridge, right? I think the plan was to have taken that out so as to, so as to pre- prevent the Russians from crossing at Kherson and capturing Kherson proper, that is the city of Kherson. Um, both of those, my understanding is, were due to inadequate action by local commanders. And there's a reason why either in March or maybe early April, uh, a bunch of local commanders from the Kherson area were dismissed uh, by the Ukrainian government, right? So um, I think that's uh, that, that tells you what should have been done, that something else should have been done than what was done at the time, also in the, from the perspective of Ukraine. Um, what should be done now? I, I think that's a little bit beyond me. Uh, David, what do you reckon? Uh, sorry, I was I was uh, looking at I was looking for the bridge near C- Crimea, so I didn't actually listen to what you were saying. Um, so I was I was just saying that Ukrainian Ukrainians probably think that they should have taken it out at the start of the Russian invasion, and that's probably why a bunch of local area commanders from that area were fired or dismissed in March or April uh, by uh, the Ukrainians, right? Uh, and but uh, what and- should happen now? That I don't know. Um, well, uh, the, they've certainly been really, really uh, uh, brutal in the people they've got uh, rid of who haven't been effective, right? Um, and at the, the start of the operation, blowing that bridge would have made complete sense, wouldn't it? Um, and not blowing it um, didn't. I think it didn't. Uh, there was some um, Ukrainian Marine who got a posthumous, uh, a posthumous award for going on the bridge and blowing it with himself on it, right? There was one to the north, I think, around Chernihiv, if mm. I remember correctly. I might be wrong, but I think it was definitely not around Crimea, that's for sure. Yeah, so so in the in the the bad old good old bad old days of of um, the British Army on the Rhine, uh, the big thing was how quickly can you blow up the bridges, right? Because if you can blow up the bridges, you can stop the tanks coming through, right? And that slows down um, at the, the rate at which they can attack. Because one of the questions we've had, which can can you put um, uh, pontoon bridges over yes you can but obviously this takes all this all takes time so in the early days uh, blowing bridges would have made complete sense because then you would be denying easy and quick access to um, uh, strategic areas 
Now, Doman, uh, at the risk of crashing, crashing the space, I'm going to announce our guests real quick, and then I got to go, okay? Sounds uh, good. So if everyone could please uh, check Eastern time. Uh, when When is Eastern time for you, right? Uh, figure that out, because I'm going to read stuff in Eastern time. Uh, so today uh, we have Shum. He's a volunteer combat medic in Ukraine. He's going to be here at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, next, we have uh, Lukaj Tamiki. Uh, he'll be here at 3.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, he's a, a hedge fund manager and also political analyst, so uh, finance is going to be interviewing him. Uh, the next day, uh, Thursday, uh, so tomorrow, uh, July 21st, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we'll have Alex Ko- Kokcharov. Uh, he is a uh, risk analyst. Uh, he's been on the show before. Uh, great guy. Uh, always glad to have him on. And he'll actually be here with uh, Sergej uh, Sumleny, who is a, a journalist, uh, political scientist, writer, and expert on Eastern Europe. Uh, so they'll be here together uh, tomorrow, Thursday, July 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And with that, Doman, uh, I bid everyone adieu. Uh, please check out MariaAid.org. Uh, it's a great organization. It's one way you can really help Ukraine. Of course, you can always retweet the space. Uh, you can always tell people about the Maria Report. And... Uh, you can always come up and ask a question to uh, our great panel like Doman and Ben. So uh, thank you, Doman. Good night. Good night, Joseph. Hope that didn't crash the space. Um, as Joseph said, please do check out MiaAid.org up in the title of the space, uh, as well as remember all of our featured guests coming up over the coming, uh, uh, coming days, both today and tomorrow. So, David, I have a question for you, and maybe this is something that you answered during my 15-minute absence earlier. But say you have the the spans taken out, but the support pillars effectively intact, right, in good shape. Can you just put a, another span over it quite easily? And this is specifically asked in terms of um, we heard some weeks ago that there's a French company, I believe, that's donating uh, a bunch of 20-something and 40-something meter bridges like pop-up bridges to Ukraine. And could you put, say the spans are, say, say the pillars are close enough together. And I, I don't think they actually are for these particular designs, but let's say you have pillars 40 meters apart. Could you just put one of these, you know, makeshift bridges, makeshift bridges, pop-up bridges, you know, high-tech, not makeshift, um, j- just on the two consecutive pillars? And would that be enough to uh, to then support traffic later on? Yeah, it's called overbridging. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I was measuring piers. So um, the British Army ha- had, uh, in, the, in the very early days, had things called heavy girder bridge. Um, and then in the 70s and 80s, uh, they uh, brought in a thing called medium girder bridge, um, which is rated for um, taking tanks at certain lengths. Right. So I was looking at how wide is uh, the road. Um, so depending on where the damage is, um, you could... Um, you could build a bridge. Now, MGB is is like Meccano or Lego. It's just handled together and you you roll it out on some rollers and eventually um, you get to the other side. So um, depending on how, as you say, how um, far apart uh, these things are, um, uh, would uh, mean that you could get through, you could uh, stick something over. Uh, the, the uh, On the Antonovsky Bridge, probably not. Right. Uh, the, because they're 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 quite the, the the distance between the piers is quite a long way. But on the on the other bridge that's going over the Conquer River, uh, most most likely. 
Thank you, David. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, there's some more videos up on Special Horizon Cats feed uh, now. Uh, so if you're going to look at some more uh, holes in the bridge, it really shows you how, how just how tight the grouping they've managed. And there's some really big holes in there as well. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, that little section of the bridge, anybody's going to be terribly happy uh, to grow across anytime soon. Um, Mr. Pickle, good morning. Mr. Pickle. If he doesn't come up, I've got I've got something I can I, I can say something uh, that, to answer the question from Ben really. Mr. Pickle, you have two seconds, and then we're going to go to David. Yeah. So uh, I was saying good morning. Uh, so uh, yesterday I uh, I don't know if you were there, but I asked how many uh, rockets were fired or a whole uh, or uh, ordnance because we know that they do uh, uh, the uh, uh, the HIMARS in in. Paris, and we know they can carry 12. So, since they hit it today with like 10 or 12, it seems like uh, it's the Hummers this time. Uh, so, uh, there's two things that could happen. I don't think they're gonna hit it tomorrow. Uh, the reason uh, you want the people to get out, right? And at the same time, you don't want the equipment to get out, and you can get both. Uh, how if you hit it a third time, but at the day of the attack, uh, the only thing that could pass is, uh, is individuals, right? If you have, like, multiple other holes, then wouldn't be even cars. Uh, but you don't want to do that now uh, because you don't want them to prepare for that, right? You want them to think, oh, we can just patch up the holes or whatever. Or the second thing that you could do is wait for them to pass and uh, bomb the hell out of them like you did with the Pantoon uh, Bridge also on the night or uh, uh, the day of the uh, of uh, the uh, the actual counteroffensive, so yeah, I I think it's uh, it's very well played, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see. So yeah, and uh, it's gonna be another. So what you're what you're not taking into account? A. So there are six hits today. That's part one. What you're not taking into account is that Russians still have a couple of other ways to go. Uh, first, there's still the railway bridge to the north of this one, upstream from this one on the Dnipro. Uh, secondly, they can still uh, go towards the northeast from Kherson um, because there's a smaller bridge there across the Inhulets River that's not been touched, and they can still go that way where they're pushed towards Kherson. So there, it's a little bit more, um, what shall we say? It's a little bit more subtle than that. Um, David, you said you can uh, answer Ben earlier as well. Yeah, so uh, the cra- Ben was asking about um, sticking pontoons over, uh, right? So uh, the, I, I, I was looking at it and going, uh, that's probably a, a, a negative. The uh, the area uh, over the Conquer Bri- uh, where the Conquer River is and the rest of it, um, so 75, 80 metres so that's a really long pontoon, and you would need that. There, there are many, many components. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. At a guess, um, most con- you know um, pontoon components might be five to seven meters wide. So there'll be a lot of pieces in there. Um, and and where are they going to put them together? And do they have the stocks nearby? Right, as as most people, uh, a lot of the military people talk about is um, really it's uh, your logistics, right? Do you have stuff over there? And this is the, the area where the bridges and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, south of the Dnipro is, looks really marshy. So even if they went sideways, um, they'd have other little 
other little uh, rivers or you know streams and the rest of it they'd have to neg- negotiate and how boggy and soft would that land be for their heavy equipment tanks etc etc i think i think they're a bit buggered um uh, the, the, to add a little bit to this though at the very start uh, you know er, in the very early days i remember watching there was a video of um contact between uh, ukraine and the russians north of of the antonovsky bridge um uh, and when i watched it obviously it was just now i was going uh, because i was looking at the satellite i thought i'm pretty certain i've seen this uh, this area before um and uh, at the time i think there was a little bit of um uh, criticism given to the uh, the people in the area because they only had um uh, you know, a 105 artillery uh, uh, piece at the bottom, which would to stop um, any uh, heavy vehicles coming through. And um, I, I, I think the Russians will know how relatively easily they got across, uh, as in got their infantry across. They'll also understand just how difficult it is. I, I personally think they're properly um, bricking it. Uh, is 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 the term we use? Yeah, David. So. <sighs> My my wonder here is from what you can see of the strikes, right? The holes that you can see, and again, check, check out if you've not yet um, uh, the I'm new, the new videos on on Special Cats feed, because Russian TASS, the the Russian Information Agency, media agency, is showing really detailed views, like cameras stuck down the hole, looking through the hole, looking at the river through the hole. You can really see how much of the rebar. There was in the bridge, but you can really see how much of you know how much damage has been done. Um, do you have any sort of a grasp of you know how much stress has been put on the longitudinal supports from this as well? Um, because that's really what matters, right? It's it's how much the spans between between two consecutive pillars. No, exactly, and, and the how damage much they can and still the, support, and the damage to the reinforcing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? As I said, I think yesterday, I said that they'll have the specifications of this bridge. They they'll know pretty much exactly. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, the video now. I mean, it, it's very good of the the uh, the Russians to provide all of this uh, this this free intel, isn't it? Uh, give me a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch a couple of them. But you're right, right? So you have, uh, so there's lo- uh, there's um, the supports are longitudinal, but you also have um, uh, the, uh, the other supports. Uh, the it'll be related to the um, type of rebar that's in the concrete, um, uh, how much of it uh, there is, um, how deep is the concrete, uh, and all the other bits and pieces that go to it. It's there'll be a, it's quite a um, a complex uh, formula. It looks like there's. When I'm looking at the first video, um, it looks like there's two areas uh, to it, which is so there's an area underneath as well, uh, which is part of the structure. Um, but give me a couple of more minutes. I'll have a look. Sounds good. Thanks, David. Mr. Pickle. Yeah, um, um, I'm not sure of the geography like uh, myself, but if there is three bridges, um, what I would do is uh, I'm going to hit the other bridges tonight. Uh, maybe one actually I wouldn't uh, destroy. I would just fire a couple of uh, uh, ranging uh, rounds and register it and uh, destroy the other. So basically you will have one completely destroyed 
and one almost destroyed and one untouched and the untouched will be a kill zone and since you have all three you can choose what which kill zone you want and uh yeah so basically you want people to get out but not equipment and also as, as civilians um uh you want them to be able to get out too as uh, did I get the geography wrong? They can just go from another way? Or... So I can I can tell you how the geography looks like. There are only three crossings across the Dnipro in Russian-occupied territories. The farthest upstream is the crossing between Novokakovka and Vesin. Um, that crossing is a dam that has both a road and a railway on it. That isn't going to be taken out, period. You're not, you're not taking that out. You can't take that out with range fires anyway. Dams are built in a you know way that makes that difficult. The other two crossings across the Dnipro are about let's say a hundred kilometers downstream, give or take, from Novakakovka. Both of those crossings are just upstream from the city of Kherson. One is a road bridge, that's what we've been observing this morning. The other one is a railway bridge that's about two, three kilometers further upstream. However, they're both called Antonovsky, right? One's called the Antonovsky Road Bridge, the other one's called the Antonovsky Railway Bridge. Uh, and there's a, there's a, um, a suburb, a northern suburb of Kherson called Antonivka, that's why. So uh, the railway bridge has not been struck for all we know. Uh, and also the railway bridge sort of has a superstructure above it. It's a truss bridge. It would be very difficult to take it out from anything coming from above. You'd need to launch something from the side, basically. That's the simple explanation. It's a simple geometric explanation here. So that's why probably that really hasn't been touched. Or, or, or you know, maybe that's why they focused on the road bridge. Um, the road bridge has been hit, obviously, and been hit in one tight grouping on... Um, the left bank, and then another couple of strikes on actually a smaller bridge that this larger bridge connects to, but the, the, the smaller bridge is across the Konka River, uh, basically to the south of the of the Dnipro that sort of flows parallel to Dnipro there, but that's a much shorter bridge, um, under 100 meters, let's say. Um, anyway, it, th- those are the crossings. The thing is, even if you take both the railway and road and road bridges, um, at Kherson across the Dnipro, the Russians can still retreat to the, let's call this east-northeast. If you're looking at a map, that's the E58 road, um, because there's a crossing there across the Inhulets River. The Inhulets River flows from Snikurivka and, and flows into the Dnipro just upstream from Kherson. There's a crossing there. Uh, there's actually possibly a couple of other crossings across the Inhulets River that Russians control still. Uh, I think, no, maybe not. Maybe that's the only one that the Russians have control, actually, um, that that they can get to from Hirson. But they can still retreat towards the east-northeast, across the Inkulets, along the E58, and get towards Vesele and Novakakovka that way. So so that's the other option. That's the other option that we were kind of raising. Mr. Pickle? Yeah, so basically, uh, what, from what I can see, that what they're trying to do is, if you have a farm and you have cattle, uh, and uh, you want to, you want them to go corral, right? You would. Sorry, I muted everyone by accident. You need to unmute yourself again. It's next to my mute button to mute everyone. That happens occasionally. Right. I was just saying that they are uh, basically, uh, um, it's it's like uh, uh, guiding ca- uh, cattle into an uh, area that you want, uh, and and basically you are uh, drawing the battle map and choosing where it is 
instead of uh, them choosing what's convenient for them. It's because you can hit any bridge, I believe. Uh, so yeah, I, I think uh, it's very smart, and they have a they have a plan for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah, David. That's called shaping the enemy, right? Or shaping the battle space. Yeah, and I'm looking at the 58, which is very straight, right? Um, and and it takes them a long way, right? So um, at the uh, yeah, I mean, I think when we looked at it initially, you went if you sent people around the A50 to the uh, the 58 and they just, the bridge they know that bridge is going to be safe but that's a very long way um you'd you'd expect there to be culvert bombs and all sorts of places that would be mined up um that's going to be a very very dangerous area if they're trying to escape and it's late isn't it because um the ukrainian troops are very nearby um all of that is in range of our, their artillery as well Yes, literally all of that is in range of Ukrainian tube artillery. All of the occupied territories on the right bank of the Dnipro, and that, that's the one to the left on the map, um, that's all within range of Ukrainian tube artillery. And that, and what that reminded me of is, uh, remember in Iraq, one, the, the road of death, as it were, um, uh, where the planes hit, and I just thought, well, the whole of that road was in range of artillery, and anyone escaping from it is going to be a, a, a really in danger of being targeted. It'd be a deadly, deadly place for them to be going. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so if you, have you looked at the videos yet? Do you, want, do you want to comment a little bit for how much of a destruction do you think um, these strikes well, cause? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I was looking at it. If I was, uh, I I'd think about putting a four ton truck over it or an eight ton, I'm not so sure whether I'd be thinking about putting a a 50 ton tank over it. You might send it over slowly. Um, but if there was any more damage uh, to it, you have to think that would be pretty much denied. And again, we go back to um, the bridge is um, uh, uh, within artillery distance. If a large number of tanks started going over it, you would just, shell it right if you were worrying about the fact that they uh, they were escaping but i wouldn't be putting anything over really heavy over that that there would be a quite a bit of risk now now of course uh, the the russians will accept more risk than uh, most people will um but it doesn't look like it's going to need much more for it to to deny pretty much any any uh, heavy vehicles excellent thank you david that that's really um that's really good to know the, the damage is already substantial enough to if actually deny armor, uh, the uh, use of the bridge, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain at this point they would they would certainly try it, but they're not trying it at the moment. So maybe, I mean, do we know how many uh, heavy vehicles we've got on the the north side? There's quite a bit. Um, there's quite a bit stu- of, of the stuff on the north side uh, of the Dnipro that is on the right bank of the Dnipro. Uh, if nothing else, there's lots of uh, artillery and a lot of multiple rocket launchers. Right, and, and grads is, and uragans and the like. Okay, and and is it so? This sort of when we say tanks, are we talking about BMPs, uh, uh, BTRs, or or T seventy twos or T eighties? All of that. They have all that stuff. Oh, okay. The best right. of understanding on the on the right bank. Yeah. I mean, they would right. They've been kind of fighting back the Ukrainian counter offensive that's been going huh. from Mykolaiv as well as down from Kriviri. Right. They have all sorts of uh, all sorts of stuff up there. Uh, yeah, um, and interesting that that we've uh, there've been no real reports of it going south, 
right? That that is quite interesting. So it means that the Russians aren't preparing for anything, and and now uh, they've been given the war the warning, which is uh, as New Zealand was saying, uh, it's a psyops aspect of you know make sure everyone's worried that that their uh, their escape route is being uh, uh, is being taken out. Thank you, David. See, it's it's really great to have your. Uh, you know specific expertise here on uh, both how to build bridges but also how to take them down very importantly and uh, and how that's working here well uh, thank you at uh, uh, one point I, I was going to say that New Zealand uh, said is that the thing we have to remember is is that um, uh, just how amazing reinforced concrete is and how much um, strength it can retain right so uh, when whenever we say so these these everything's pretty much a guesstimation right uh, the uh, I, and um there's always an engineering um way out of something as i said they could overbridge it as a chuck one of those a, a mobile bridge over the top which would uh, put it but again it goes back to what's the other things in the area um if you were worried about it uh, if the ukrainians were worried about it they could just send a whole load of artillery over and and just um deny the bridge by blocking it right so if you've got three tanks that are on top they're all burning and there's uh, there's the uh, 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 blowing up you're pretty much not going to get much anything else going over it thank you david um thanks so much uh Mikola, good afternoon um is there something you want to you want to bring up uh, good afternoon. So, um, basically, I have some news. <clears throat> uh, to begin with, just on a positive note, um, if you've heard about the little um, dog called Patron, he has a birthday today. So, it's the dog that is, uh, became quite viral in Ukraine because uh, he's the one who is used for the mining of regions. And, uh, yeah, he has a little birthday today and he accepts the donations. So, uh, you can check it out online and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, I think, have you talked about the attack on Kharkiv in the morning today? We have not spoken about the attack on Kharkiv. Can you outline okay. it for everyone, what, what happened? Sure. So what, what happened today is that basically uh, Russians uh, sent few missiles to Kharkiv. Um, I don't know how many of them, but unfortunately uh, we had three people who died. One of them was uh, the father, um, then another one was a child, 13-year-old child, and then there was a third man who is not yet identified, so we don't know who it is. But, uh, yeah, basically what happened in Vinica just a week ago, it's pretty much similar to, you know, to what happened uh, in Kharkiv today. And, uh, unfortunately, Russians continue doing those missile strikes. Um, to add from the top of, like, holistic view and, you know, macro scale, basically today the EU is hosting the conference uh, and talking in regards to the... Uh, gas is being used as a weapon by Russians. So they are, you know, kind of blackmailing European Union and everything. And right now there is a live, um, you can you can see it on Twitter, I shared it as well. Um, there is a live conference um, talking about the dependency on the gas. And Ursula von der Leyen is performing and she's actually um, leading the conversation about this, that something has to be done about this. Um, I think we kind of should... Uh, look closely what they're discussing because um, I think today we're going to have some either there will be announcement of new sanctions or they're going to be something in terms of uh, new policies in terms of how gas and um, you know other resources are managed within the EU level because obviously it's a huge commitment for so many states to decide um, what they're going to do next. 
So that, that's actually really important. Thank you for uh, raising that as well, Mikola. Um, indeed, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, uh, is basically proposing that all European countries try to reduce gas demand by something like 15% on a month-by-month basis. Um, and they've um, kind of listed... Um, you know, different different measures that they are going to be taking and that they can be taking to uh, make sure that those gas uh, demand, that the gas demand drops appropriately. Um, I don't know. Ben, what do you think? Um, can this be done? Is it likely that this will be able to be done and that suffice? Uh, or will other measures need to be taken still much more drastic than these ones? Um, well, as you know, I am not 